Welcome to Stories of Hope. This podcast segment is part of Michael Crossan's itinerant preaching ministry. The Stories of Hope segments are a collection of interviews from various people from all walks of life who share their stories about how they discovered God's hope and purpose in life's darkest hours. I pray that these stories bless you and encourage you and help you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Hi there, welcome to this episode of Stories of Hope. My next guest is the former president of the Methodist Church in Ireland, the Reverend Sam McGuffin, who is now the current minister of Glengormley Methodist Church. And I'm so thankful and glad he is on. So welcome, Sam. Hope you're keeping well. How are you? Uh, well, thank you, Michael, and thank you for your welcome and the invitation. And I'm well, thank God. Yeah, yeah. Busy and well. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good. It's good to be busy and well. Um, yeah. So what I usually do is I just ask people, tell us a bit about your life, where you're from, and okay. how you come to know Christ as your own personal saviour. So just... Okay, yeah, yeah, okay, thank you. Um, yeah, well, home is Dungannon, in the, in the middle of the province, and the centre of the universe. <laughs> I, uh, I lived in Dungannon for 23 years, I think it was, so I'm far longer out of it now than I ever was in it. But my home was just about a mile outside Dungannon, in the countryside, in a, in a lovely location, in a little row of terraced houses. Uh, my dad died recently, just the end of November. My mum, uh, 16 years ago. Uh, so the house has now been sold and has moved out of um, McGuffin uh, ownership after 64 years, in fact, my lifetime. Uh, so that's been a sad moment, but it was a wonderful home and I thank God for it. Mum and dad were church people, uh, churched and church uh, and uh, observant of Sunday and keen to take us to church. My dad used to tell a story of carrying me in his arms to church on Sunday mornings. Um, uh, so I, I've grown up with that background. They Both of them came to a more personal faith and, and a real experience of the Lord um, later in their lives. Uh, but the, the home that I grew up in was a nominally Christian home, <clears throat> and, I'm, and I'm very thankful for that because we were sent to Sunday school, we were sent off to all kinds of uh, meetings, sunshine corners and all sorts of things uh, where we learned lots of stuff that was was brilliant and, uh, and only helpful as the years have gone on. I'm, I'm grateful to God for that kind of background. So so I, I, I remember making commitments at some of those meetings. You know, we were always being asked to uh, commit ourselves to the Lord and, and, and let him in and, you know the, the, the usual kind of appeals that were made in children's meetings and, and I remember responding and I remember actually around uh, seven or eight kneeling at my bedside and making a commitment then um, but but that continued <laughs> strangely but but the the the, the the really key moment was um, when I was being received into full membership of the Methodist Church in Ireland at the age of 17. And our minister made it very clear to us that, you know, th this just wasn't a, 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 a rite of passage in, in, in a nominal sense. You had to do this and really mean it. And when you were making commitment and promises, you had to really own them. So at the, at the Communion Rail in Dungannon Methodist Church in 1974, I, um, I yielded myself completely as a, a young adult, 
an older teen and a young adult, knowing what I was doing fully, maybe not fully, but knowing more fully than I had as a as a child, uh, and, uh, and and that was the key moment. Um, and on we've gone uh, since then. But but I thank God for a wonderful childhood, an innocent childhood in the countryside, <laughs> outside Dungannon, and connected to church. Never knew what a drug was until I was in my teens, uh, <laughs> let alone a tablet. Um, it, it was idyllic in so many wonderful ways, and I thank God um, for it. So after your conversion in 1974, after listening and yeah. totally yielding, yeah, where did you go from there? You okay, the work or go to polytech or college? Where yeah, yeah, uh, yes. Uh, I, I didn't do terribly well in my A levels. <laughs> Um, I got very involved in church life. I was in everything. Um, Boys Brigade, CE, uh, Sunday school teacher, um, singing in the choir, you know, the, the prayer meeting and Bible class, the whole nine yards. Uh, and it took up a huge amount of time. And then they built a new hall in Dungannon Methodist at that time too. And uh, it was largely done by voluntary labor. And I was in it up to my eyes with my dad. Um, the minister at the time was a, a wonderful guy, the Reverend Arthur Parker was his name, from uh, from North Belfast and the Shankill area originally. And he was a great guy. He, um, he 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 not only he was the guy who precipitated that moment in the in the uh, Dungannon Methodist Church at my reception, uh, and he then kept at us about you know the the, the, the Lord has a plan for your life. You you have to find it out and you know uh, be. Uh, be honouring it and, and look for it and follow through on it. So I didn't do well in my A-levels and wondered what was going on. And I got, I applied for and got uh, the offer of two jobs in accountancy within days of each other. And I remember praying one night for guidance as to which one I should take and getting some very clear guidance from the book of Samuel about going and doing all that's in your heart and I will be with you. And it was in my heart to go to the company that were closest um, uh, in Dungannon. They also had a branch in Portland where the other firm was. So anyway, uh, long story short, I joined the accountancy firm and uh, continued to work in the church and to feel that this wasn't the ultimate purpose that God had for me. And, and as time went on and I listened to preachers and in my own devotions and listened to people I worked with encouraging me to do things, I um, began to feel a sense of call uh, to ministry and tested that in various ways, including um, saying, well, um, I suppose there's some kind of a golden fleece or a fleece that I, I would, uh, Lord, if you go, if you want me to do this, I'm going to need a, a partner, a helpmeet. Um, and along came Linda, an <laughs> answer to prayer, who, was, who, who, who has been from day one of our relationship, you know, completely in tandem with this sense of relationship with God and fulfilling his purpose for our lives and feeling that this was part of her calling to, to be involved with me. So, so we pushed the door open there, became a Methodist local preacher uh, with all that that entailed, um, applied to be a candidate uh, with all that that entailed and um, the doors kept opening. Uh, so that was back in 19, 19, 19, spring of 1980, I was accepted and went into college in, um, in the autumn of 1980. That's fantastic. And uh, 
you know, you've been so involved in church. Did you ever feel like change, like sending my change of address cards? You'll find me in Dungannon Methodist Church just working in there, getting involved <laughs> in life. Uh, but then you were accepted. And where was your first station as a yeah. star? And yeah. <laughs> yes, that's, uh, you know, um, you, 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 you you, when when you accept that God's will must dominate in your life, um, his, the relationship with him is the most important of all, so therefore his will is the most important will. To, uh, then you take what's coming. Um, for me, it was a huge step to go from college after three years to the Republic of Ireland and to the Port Leash area. Now, I have been down to Dublin a few times for rugby matches, but never really traveled much in the south of Ireland. My parents hadn't. Uh, I had gone through my teens in the 70s when the troubles were at their height. So we didn't travel across the border. Um, so it was, an, it was a foreign country, really. And um, we, we took a huge step in faith, but it was a wonderful experience. Three years in Port Leash on a circuit that was really very low uh, and uh, had been for a few years, um, and it was a it was a real blessing to be part of God's work there. For that time, then we were moved on to West Cork, a place called Clonakilty, uh, and loved being there amongst Cork Methodists and Cork Christians. Very strong mm -hmm. Christian people in uh, West Cork. Lots of missionaries gone out from West Cork, and today there's still still a very strong Christian, you know, solidly Christian community in West Cork, bridging denominations um, uh, and, uh, and strong for the Lord, not just for a denomination. Uh, they're great folk. Then we removed three years uh, after that up to Cave Hill, mm -hmm. which was uh, sort of, you know, rural West Cork <laughs> with all its beauty and, 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 a, and a very gentle way of life to Cave Hill, which is like a pressure cooker <laughs> and at the forefront of a lot of stuff. Um, uh, we were six years there and, and we're, we're blessed there too. So we still have friendships from, from all, each of those places. Um, but our children really started to become aware of where they were in Cave Hill and would still have friendships uh, going back to that time. Um, one of our wonderful friendships was with, was with a lady called uh, Betty Patterson, who became like a, a second mother to us and a, a, sec, a third granny to our children. Wonderful, warm-hearted Christian people. Then on to Finnehy, which, which was the busiest church we'd been in. Big boys brigade, big girls brigade, CA, the whole works, a big church on Sunday morning. It was, it, was a, it was a terrific experience to be part of it and a place where lay leadership really was to the fore and people were... Um, doing wonderful things for God. Um, and that was an amazing experience. Then up to London Derry, Derry, <laughs> to the city mission there, um, which put us out on the forefront of, of mission uh, to, to people, homeless people, basically. Uh, but a, a city community that really was in all kinds of difficulties. Um, uh, very, very troubled place politically and a very troubled place socially and a deeply, deeply desperate place spiritually um, in so many respects. So it was a real privilege to work there 
it was like pioneering work uh, there. And we were seven years there before moving to Neskillen and back to a rural context again and to, um, to people who were died in the wood, wood Methodist and Christian again. Um, and we were eight years there before moving up to Glengormley. So it's been, it's been a very geographically varied and, uh, and in, in other kinds of ways, varied experience. Um, spiritually, it's been so enriching all the way and just a privilege to share with God's people and, and carrying the gospel beyond the doors and walls of the church. So you've had a very roller coaster start of ministry starting from the rural and then going to yeah. our Republic of Ireland, then up to the pressure picker, and then yeah. Yeah. In the scale and the Glenway method. But then something happened. You were in the Glenway Methodist, and I correct me if I'm wrong. And then the opening for the president of the Methodist Church. Tell us a bit about that. What yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a uh, an amazing story. Um I I never um, never been on my radar that I would ever become president of the Methodist Church. It wasn't, a, wasn't an ambition or, or any kind of, and I never felt that this was anything that um, I had any equipping or calling for. But our church elects a president, and there's a nominations committee, and um, they put forward names to the conference, and there's an election. So uh, in the year that I arrived here in Glengormley, 2018, I, I I was a runner-up in the election for president, um, and the chap who was elected, his name is David Nixon. But within a few weeks of that nomination, David's wife became very seriously ill uh, with uh, a cancer. And as time wore on through 2018 up to Christmas, they became increasingly aware that it wasn't going to be possible for them to engage with the presidency. Uh, it wouldn't have been fair to Rhoda. Uh, and it wouldn't have been fair to David or their family and it wouldn't have been fair to the church. So they prayed and they made a, a huge decision to request that, um, that that be removed from them. And according to our Methodist Church and Iron Rules, uh, there in the manual, um, the, the runner-up becomes the, then becomes the president-designate. So I found myself at the beginning of January 2019 just here six months uh, having been designated to be the next president of the Methodist Church in Ireland uh, and that gave me just just over five months lead in uh, to the actual installation and and a whole year as president so it, it was an amazing way it worked out and um, I had the most wonderful letter from Rhoda Nixon I, mean, I, I feel quite moved just thinking about it again a most gracious letter wishing me well uh, in in the year and uh, Rhoda has since gone to glory. Um, as it turned out, she lived through my presidential year and for some months after. But even so, it would have been impossible for her and David to fulfill the role as, uh, as, it, as it needs to be fulfilled. So, so I had the great privilege of being president of the Methodist Church in Ireland for a year, uh, Michael. And it was a wonderful privilege, wonderful opportunities. And I look back on it with uh, with a great deal of gratitude and thank thankfulness. Uh, others might report it in a different way, but <laughs> I think I think God um, moves in mysterious ways uh, uh, at times, and um, He brought it about. He blessed the Nixons, and He will bless David in the church. Continues to bless David in his local church, and will bless him in the connection with church in years to come. I'm quite sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, with that opening, you're also at the time 
president at the start of the pandemic, is that right? Or yeah, was- yeah, the pandemic. Um, I hadn't. I had um, about seven months of normal presidential uh, duties. Um, one of which was uh, an amazing trip to Fiji uh, to see the the Methodist Church there and to engage with the wider church in Fiji. And they're, they're wonderful Christian people, far side of the world, um, really sound biblical, you know, good sound theological people and uh, keen to reach out with the gospel to their community. It was a great blessing. So, so many different aspects to it. But, but then the pandemic came in um, and uh, all of a sudden uh, in March, as uh, I had been down south on the Sunday before Patrick's Day, speaking about Patrick, and the threat was hanging over us that there was going to be a lockdown. And sure enough, within days we were locked down and that was the end of me traveling around Sunday by Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, and in those days, we, we just had a toe in the water with Zoom. Um, I, I remember recording a service for the, for the Sunday of the first lockdown for all the Methodist churches were able to, mm-hmm. or people who were able to get it. Uh, but the idea of recording Sunday by Sunday by Sunday, you know, uh, and the kind th- of things that have become, we've become so used to now, just, we were just in the shallow end of it back then. Uh, so, so it really changed everything for me, but, it, but it, you know, <laughs> for me, um, my wife lost uh, an aunt and an uncle within weeks of the lockdown uh, to COVID. And that was devastating because in those days there were just six people at the funeral, you know, standing around the grave, and that's all it was, just yeah. at the graveside. It was horrendous and has left a scar, I think, in many families. Um, so it really was a desperate time for people, and it, and it became important. I mean, your theme is stories of hope. It became important, mm-hmm. critical, yeah. to have hopeful messages and hope-filled messages, and to point to God as the source. <laughs> of the hope that we all needed. Um, so uh, in various ways that became possible, including a, a Facebook, the, the president's Facebook page. And uh, and I was putting up a daily Facebook posting of around 200, 250 words. Um, and I thank God for the, for the folk in the church who were able to facilitate that uh, for me and encouraged it because it became quite critical with the word at one, the average um, number of people visiting that per day was around 2000, mm-hmm. which was astonishing. You know? yeah. <laughs> uh, and obviously a lot of people were finding blessing in it. Um, so, so, you know, we were having meetings by Zoom. We were trying to keep the church going, addressing all the issues, but at the same time, trying to pastorally support people. And here in Glengormley, there was a, a, a per, like a pyramid uh, of people who were, who were, uh, you know, contacting the whole congregation of, you know, there's over 500 homes involved, so it was a big ordeal, but it was just to try to keep in touch and encourage people, lockdown, people isolating, people fearful, encourage them in faith, pray with them, do what was necessary to help them in practical ways if possible. It was an amazing time, and we look back at it in a year or two's time with a, with a probably an even greater perspective on how God blessed us through it. But even now, this close to it is still very obvious that God has given us strength and vision and hope that has helped us help others 
through through this. Yeah. And with that, when your presidency came to an end, what what was the main lesson you learned that God was teaching you through this? You know, you were jumped in, had a sense of normality doing and then the pandemic hit and then it's all over Zoom, all over YouTube, Facebook, whatever. But then you're dealing with pastoral situations, church life. What was the main lesson that God taught you that helped you grow in your walk with him? Okay. Uh, that, um, <laughs> our, our, in our Methodist way of doing things, um, the president uh, for quite a number of years now has been um, asked to come up with a theme for, for the presidential year. And back in, in August 2018, when I arrived in Glengormley, I'd done a little series of sermons on God is um, God is the adventure. God is, God is my adventure, I think. I originally came across it as God is the adventure, and I changed God is my adventure. Uh, and uh, and it, it was, there was a lot of feedback, positive feedback. People were helped, and, you know, to open people's eyes. It was a fresh way of thinking about things. And, and, and as I look back on my life, <laughs> I could, it, it, it certainly was a way of describing um, my life. God has been God has been the adventure, you know, doing all, being, you know, working in the church, being in all these places, doing all these things has been one thing. But but actually, the relationship with God has been the greatest adventure of all. Uh, and, and and knowing Him as Father and as Savior and Lord and friend and as Comforter and Counselor and Enabler that's been extraordinary. Um, so, so the adventure of, uh, of of being close to God during the presidential year uh, is like is like a mountaintop experience, and when you come out of that, there there is an immediate sense, uh, and it kind of lingers a bit that you've that you've come down from something, which isn't fair to your local church, and you and you you pray to overcome that, and by the grace of God, you do. So God continues to be the adventure, but but the key um, the key verse um, uh, I think that 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 was important through the presidential year pre pandemic and during it uh, and uh, uh, during the presidential year and after it uh, has been trust in the Lord um, with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. I think once we, once we start to p- draw completely on our own resources and and uh, take our eyes off the Lord, uh, uh, you know we start to flounder and uh, sink and all kinds of difficulties come along. They, they come along uh, anyway, but when you're in that close relationship with the Lord and trusting Him with all your heart leaning on him um, then you cope with those things so much better and it's not just a question of me coping with them it's me trying to help others to cope yeah so so there's that draw um, and you couldn't do it in your own strength um, and i would encourage anyone who's who's struggling at the present time without judging anyone or say you're doing something wrong or your faith's not right or whatever uh, to, to just um reflect on on those um that wonderful verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. And you'll find that um, the Lord will help you through in a rather remarkable and wonderful way and gives you hope where uh, otherwise uh, there may not be any hope at all. 
I love the way you just answered that because you answered my next question. I love Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. It's been a, a comfort first to me and to my family, to my uncle. Um, that idea of trust in, in the way Solomon talks about, it talks about someone being on their knees before feeling helpless. And in this pandemic that we've all felt a bit helpless, it's been a difficult time. But as the Reverend Sam has said, when you trust God, you find that source of hope and guidance to go yeah. through. And as this pandemic still carries on, the message of hope still is the same. Christ is our living hope and things do get better. And we're going to pray in a minute or two. And I just want to thank Sam for sharing his heart and that wonderful exhortation at the end. Um, I will ask you just to ask God to help you as you trust in him. He will help you whatever situation you're, you're facing. I know with COVID, uh, it's still difficult with restrictions, particularly in funerals and all sorts of life matters. God is still on the throne and God is sovereign. And I wonder if it's okay with you, Sam, would you mind praying for those who are listening? And yeah. uh, thank you for sharing. That was just so much. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Michael. I'm very happy to pray. Uh, and, uh, and so we bow. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to share together. And uh, thank you for the wonderful way in which you share in our lives day by day, moment by moment. And, and we, we just want to express our trust in you now that as we, uh, as the scripture says, cast our care upon you, you will care for us. As we trust in you with all our heart, uh, you will um, make yourself known to us increasingly and help us to sense and know your presence with us and to experience your peace. And Lord, also your purpose. For Lord, we, we, we don't want to lose sight uh, of the fact that even during pandemic, uh, you have purpose for our living and we are people of worth to you because we fulfill your purpose for us in the world, not just for us, but your purpose for the world in us and through us. So Lord, we, we lean not on our own understanding, but on yours and commit ourselves to you wholeheartedly today. Lord, some of us are in the very, in very dire and difficult circumstances and we're struggling to cope with all that the pandemic has brought to us. But Lord, we pray that you will bring us through and that uh, nothing will ever separate us from your love in Christ Jesus and that uh, you will uh, honour and glorify yourself in, in those uh, circumstances. Thank you too, Lord, that whilst we're struggling perhaps with uh, unemployment or, 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 or uh, as young people wondering what the future will hold, that um, you, you, you are working your purpose out in this world and you, the one who had the first word uh, at creation, will have the final word. Uh, whenever you bring uh, all things together in you and that final day of judgment and uh, the beginning of uh, eternity, everlasting life in heaven, it uh, comes to all those who are yours. So, so we, we want to live in that eternal sense of your presence uh, and your purpose and your peace. So, Lord, uh, we pray that you'll continue to bless to this end. Glorify your name, Lord. Honour it in us and through us. Bless us, Lord. But always bless us to be a blessing in the lives of others for we ask in our saviour's name amen. amen amen thank you for sharing that and i pray that this episode of stories of hope has blessed you as you hear stories from all walks of life all backgrounds 
have blessed you and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Until next week, stay safe. Hope you're keeping well. Feel free to get in touch. God bless. Thank you, Sam. Take care, everyone. God bless.